Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This is another weekly review. This week we're going to be looking at an old prog album by the band Rare Bird. The album is called Rare Bird. It was released in 1969. The second is going to be the fantastic album by Carbomb, which is Meta, released in 2016. And the most recent banger by the band Frontera called Oxidized, released in 2021. So, Floyd, what did you think of Rare Bird? So, one thing I thought was kind of interesting. So, the album's called Rare Bird. It is. The band's Rare Bird. It is. The album cover is what I presume to be some sort of Phoenix-style Rare Bird. <laughs> yes. Right? Do you want to... so, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> yeah. Do you want... the, the bird on the album cover looks like Ho-Oh from Pokemon. It does. Do you know where that comes from? No. So mythologically, um, there are like mythological birds from Asia and Japan and China. That's a Silk Road thing. So in Iranian oh. mythology, you have Simorg, which is like this mythical bird with many colored wings that is magical and like looks after like some hero who, long story, I'm not going to give you the whole Shahnameh. But yeah, there's, that's the rare bird. Then you've got like the Japanese equivalent, which is Ho'oh. Um, and yeah, they're all related. So if you go along the Silk Road, you'll get these rare bird mythologies. So there is actually some connection there. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Ho'oh is a real thing. Oh, there you go. So we've got Steve Gold on lead vocals, bass and rhythm. He was born in Battersea as well, which I thought was quite interesting. Nice, around the corner-ish. Yeah, they've just expanded the uh, Northern Line to stop at Battersea Power Station now as well. There's a big new flashy station there. So all those expensive flats going to have their own uh, train platform? Yeah, I think so. Cause, uh, yeah, because I think the power station's not in use anymore, is it? They're, they're converting it into... Um... I had my sports day in Battersea Park, actually. It's a good park. No way! Yeah, it's got a giant Buddha in there as well. It's kind of cool. That's pretty sick. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's some Battersea facts there for anyone. <laughs> yeah. And you've got David Caffinetti. Good name. On piano and assorted keyboards. And I think he plays the electric piano on this, which is largely the Aye. substitute for a lot of the kind of lead guitar lines, or where a lot of the lead guitar lines would be. You've got Graham Field on organ and assorted keyboard. And then Mark Ashton on drums and backing vocals. And I'm presuming Mark Ashton is the one that does all the kind of falsetto... I think vocals. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because the main vocals are not falsetto-y at all. No. Yeah. It's quite good vocals. I remember when we were talking about reviewing this, you said that apparently, and from a lot of reviews I read online as well, they were saying that the vocals can be a bit of an acquired taste. Mm. But I quite liked them. There's one track in particular where I actually thought they were quite haunting, really. It's called You Went Away. Oh, yeah, that's um, a good one. Yeah, so yeah. the chorus was really, like, really quite, like, haunting and kind of, like, rousing. Um, and it's quite a strange album because I feel like you've got on one half you've got some tracks that are kind of like kind of poppy yeah kind of like bouncy like the the track Time or Times I should say Um, but then other tracks are really like quite you know like they're quite deep and kind of and I really enjoy like the kind of dueling sort of keys that are going on like the the battles between the organ and the um, assorted keyboard yeah (laughs) and it's just absolutely it's it's quite good musically and then the drums as well like this it's quite jazzy i find there's a lot of sections where they're kind of jamming out and the drums are just proper feel heavy um but no it's quite a good album i really enjoyed it it's a proper 1969 album you've got that classic kind of mellotronic feel with like you say the dueling keyboards um the vocals sound like a sad pirate 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got this like rich, full-bodied, mellow voice, which is full of sadness and hauntedness. Like Captain Jack Sorrow. <laughs> yeah, he's just got a sad, salty that voice. So that was that. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Get the plank. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoy that. Um, yeah, it's it's a really. I found this band when I heard "Beautiful Scarlet," which is my favorite song on the album. I think the vocals are the best on that song because he just sounds genuinely really sad. Yeah. Um, and I like that. There's a lot of songs about him being sad about girls. Um, you've got like Melanie and You Went Away. Just lots of stuff about girls, I guess. Um, I hope it wasn't a bird pun in that respect. When they name the album, um, I'm going to go for the mythological route. But there is there's definitely like a sense of loss in this that I think... Um, I think works really interestingly. It's like what loss felt like, what breaking up with your girlfriend felt like in 1969, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. I've I've I basically kind of picked up on a lot of similar vibes there. I've got written down here that I felt that there was. It's got a quite strong sense of melody, but there's definitely like an undercurrent of pain and sorrow, yeah. and a lot of the lyricism and the way the vocals are delivered, and even the music, a lot of the time. Um, I actually really like the last track as well, God of War. I think that was a had a bit of a different flavour to the rest of the album. Mm. Had some cool kind of like war drum style percussion. Um, and then some nice like harmonized vocals as well. Um, yeah, it kind of reminded me a bit of the Doors. Like I don't know if that was just because with with the organ and the, and all the keys, because that was quite a quite a common trope of a lot of like the Doors songs how they would have. And it's even a similar kind of structure in the sense that you would have like um, the first part of the song would be kind of like poppy or have like a verse chorus style thing, and then the second part would then descend into something like a bit more kind of chaotic, yeah, and kind of like jazz friendly. I think that was quite a quite a trope in during that time. I want I don't know enough to know if the Doors were the first to do that, um, but I do feel like that's quite um, that's something I do like about this kind of music. I do think that it has to an extent carried over into some metal, where you do have like a unified first half and then it goes fucking crazy, which I think we all enjoy. Yeah, no, it's um, it's just kind of even like the um, the Hashashin album. Mm we reviewed last time I felt like that had at times had that similar kind of old school prog vibe where it would it would just build and build and then just eventually crescendo into just a flurry of notes and just a bit of a cacophony at time but it's um funny you mentioned Beautiful Scarlet being your favorite track I actually had that noted down as my favorite track no way. as well and um it's funny when I was listening to it because I've never listened to this band before I wasn't familiar but there was times from a compositional perspective and some of the notes that we using really reminded me of some leprous tracks. Oh, that's so interesting. So it's it's cool because for once I'm, I'm not I'm listening to a 70s album and I'm not thinking, oh, this sounds like Opeth. <laughs> so it reminded <laughs> me like of another... opeth <laughs> Yeah, another Opeth-y band. <laughs> but yeah, no, it reminded me of leprous at times. So I was thinking, oh, I wonder if leprous are like, have taken any cues or, or are fans of this music or music from this era at all. Because I would never have made that connection really prior to listening to that track. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Uh, often if you poke a metal musician hard enough, there'll be some 70s prog that falls out. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. that I recommend doing those things. Or um, prodding musicians. <laughs> just, yeah, prodding yeah. and musicians. Just in general. Prodding in general. Yeah. Avoid musicians too, um, I would say, personally. 
But yeah, uh, the, one of these songs, so the albums that these guys released, they released five albums between 69 and 74, which is not bad. Pretty prolific. Yeah, um, very common in that era because people would just get thrown into the studio for 12 hours, they'd churn something out and then they'd throw it into the ether. Um, not quite as simply as that, but you know what I mean. It was like really common back then. Um, sometimes actually bands would turn up to the studio and not even know what they were going to be playing in pop music. So they'd just turn up and I think they'd be given the music, then they'd play it and then they'd release it. It wasn't until the Beatles, which was obviously before this, um, that bands would go to the studio with their own music. Yeah. And I think Pink Floyd as well, they kind of pioneered that kind of thing too. So before then it was like very factory-like. Yeah, do you know what? That's something I only kind of really um, realised somewhat recently because like I remember watching this YouTube video and it was like... Um, a compilation of like old songs and mm -hmm. versus the original versions like even like say the clash i fought the law like there was a, there was a version before that i can't remember who by but so many of these tracks weren't written at all by mm. the artists that were famous for performing them yeah and it was just kind of like it was kind of wild I, I didn't realize that it was you know and it must have been that sort of thing where they would just turn up at the studio right and they'd be like okay this is the song we want you to perform yeah it was like that with um plan you know the plantasia guy yeah. I can't remember his name. Mort Garson. There it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah he did loads of songwriting. Yeah. Of like that, like pop songwriting. And he wrote loads of bangers. Um, it's really, it, it blows my mind that there were like these people who would collaborate to write songs and then give them to other people. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how that must feel if they're like Madonna's getting credit for your number one hit single. I guess you're getting loads of money, so it's fine. But yeah. It's well, well, Prince was a really prolific sort of pop songwriter, wasn't he? Because he yeah. wrote um, Nothing Compares to You for Sinead O'Connor, I think, and then a couple of other tracks. But yeah, it's... Um, mm. Oh, there was a recent one as well that really surprised me. But I'm not even going to bother to try and remember it. Cause <laughs> it's, just, it's that thing you know, when you put pressure on yourself to remember something. You just forget everything that yeah. ever existed. I, I barely even remember who I am when that happens. Yeah. Um, I do... Oh, no, that just happened to me. I tried to remember what I was going to say. And I, <laughs> I blue screened. I, I was just going to say another cool fact I found. That this is the first release on Charisma Records. Yeah. Um who had quite a lot of seminal releases on that label. But it's... Um, I tried to look up what a lot of the other members done afterwards, and like, I think a few of them were involved in a few notable yeah. projects. But um, one of the, my favourite facts was um, the track Sympathy was actually a number one hit in Italy and France. Yeah, they did much better in Europe than they did in the UK, and I wonder why that is. Maybe it's the voice, and maybe like the lyrics weren't as accessible to a... UK audience, I don't know. I'm really curious as to why they did so well there and not here, because they're a, they're a brilliant band. Like the vocals, I think there's a lot. I don't know. I just feel like they could have developed differently, given a different set of circumstances. Yeah. Have you listened to any of their other albums or other work? I have, but this is the one that I wanted to bring because yeah. I think I don't know why, but I think "Beautiful Scarlet" is very different to their other other songs, and that that song in particular kind of makes the album for me. I think if that song wasn't on it. I wouldn't enjoy it as much because his vocals just are so striking. There's something so strikingly sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like I like that track because I feel like the music was allowed to breathe a bit more on that track as well because I like yeah. how they're, they're kind of interspersing like the drum fills with like a bit of key work and then I think the bass is allowed to shine a bit more on that track as well. Mm. Um, but overall, I was actually really uh, quite impressed with this album. I enjoyed it massively. Amazing. I'm always happy to hear that. Um I think from Rare Bird we can fly 
to the next <laughs> album. <Nice. laughs> it's quite meta of me. Um, it's Car Bomb, Meta, 2016. <coughs> Please send my uh, graduate degree in the post if you think I deserve one right now. So it's the third album by the American band Car Bomb. The album was released, um, not released, produced by Gojira's Joseph Duplantier. Yes. Yes. And he, um, I think he guests on the track as well. So he provides um, vocals for the track, uh, backing vocals for the track, The Oppressor. He does. He does his classic bellow. Um, I read this is probably, um, this album was when I first started to, to, to take, wow, easy for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> that started to sound like a car bomb riff there, wasn't it? <laughs> but um, start to take notice of car bomb as a band, because yeah. like, um, I feel like this album is like a, a fully fledged realization of some ideas and sounds and stylistic choices they were pursuing on the previous albums. Because the, the song lengths on the previous albums are a lot shorter than the tracks on this album. And I feel like this is them kind of presenting their sound in a kind of, okay, mm. this is us in our, uh, this kind of sounds so cheesy, but in our final form <laughs> kind of thing. And it's, um, and production wise, it actually sounds really good. Like I think yeah. Joe's done a great job because the guitars and the riffs sound fucking massive. Um, and in many ways, this album shares a lot of similarities to the to the last album we're reviewing today as well, the Frontier Absolutely. album. Yeah. Um, and I do know that I think um, you know, a couple of members of Car Bomb, Car Bomb guested on um, uh, Frontier's first album. I didn't know Unlocked. that. Yeah. That is sick. Um, yeah, I think Frontier are, are quite big on getting people to guests for a lot of their mm. some of their tracks, which we'll get into a little bit on there uh, when cool. we're reviewing that album. But no, it's um, yeah, I think in many ways like this album kind of made the scene kind of stand up and, and take notice of like the math course scene. And it's interesting because I always thought, me personally, I thought math core was such a stupid term. Like I, n- I could never really get my head around why it was labeled math core. I know with the got the whole thing with the polyrhythms and the, and the technical aspect of guitar work. Like I, I get that, it makes sense. But like the term itself sounds stupid. If you know what I mean? I imagine you. Like that meme with a woman doing algebra and she's like looking confused <laughs> when you're thinking about math core. It's just like Floyd thinking about math core. It's just loads of graphs and, and Pythagorean things going on. Uh, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know why. I guess like you got to count mathily when you're playing this kind of music and do some maths in your head. Or maybe it's like, I guess, more mathematical than usual full form music, verse, chorus, etc. I don't know, and frankly, I am happy to remain ignorant if it means I don't. I don't know where I'm going with that. Feel free to cut that out because it's shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shit. Yeah, I, I think mathcore is um, it's an interesting term. Maybe someone someone can well actually us and fill us in in the YouTube comments. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to, well, actually, we're actually asking for some input. Please give us your opinion on this matter, Internet. Thank you. I'll give a little background on the band. So there's a band from Long Island, New York, who have a a great metal scene in general. Mm. You've got Michael Daferna on vocals, Greg Kabaki on guitars, John Modell on bass, and Elliot Hoffman on drums. Nice. Um, What was your overall take of the album anyway? Is this the first time you'd listened to this, or had you listened to this? Before. I have been a fan of Carbon for many years. Nice. I like Carbon very much. Um, I like, I mean, I was huge on Gent in like 2011 when Michel Mansell was doing his thing and naturally I grew and matured like a small tree into liking this kind of music, into the heavier, dirtier, angrier, much more kind of black sheep wally at times, um, Carbon, Botch, things like that. Anything that sounds like an explosion 
is yeah. something I like. So yeah, um, I've been listening to them for a while. Um, not in the way that I would be able to wear their shirt and then get gatekeeped very well because I kind of don't retain that kind of information very well. I just know I like them a lot. Yeah, name five songs, poser. Um, smoke on the water. <laughs> the, the beat. Smoke on the water live. <laughs> smoke on the water remastered. <laughs> smoke on the water remix. There you go. That's you four go. of the five. Um, so yeah, um, I will say one other guest on this album is Frank Mullen. My man, Frank Mullen. From Suffocation. From Suffocation, yeah. He yeah. performs vocals on the track. Uh, sets. Sets. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Suffocation, if, if I may. <laughs> um, I fucking... He... Do you know what? Roadrunner um, used to be known as more of like a death metal sort of label before they became like a, a big player with bands like Slipknot and Killswitch and uh, I think Trivium were on Roadrunner for a while. But... Um... Cheers. Thanks, lad. <laughs> But um, they, um, in like the early 2000s, they'd done these uh, double pack reissues of loads of classic death metal um, bands that used to be on their label. So they'd done one for Obituary, uh, then a Suffocation one, a Gorgots one, a Pestilence one. And um, I bought the Suffocation double album, so it was Effigy of the Forgotten and Pierce from Within. And like, that was like one of the first real death metal albums I ever owned. And like, his vocals on that album are just unreal. So one of the first people to use like the super guttural vocal styles, because like Chuck had extreme vocals, but it was more, he was more kind of like mid to high range and kind of yelpy. But like Frank Mullen is just an absolute fucking G in the scene. And I just, I just always love it when I hear his vocal in anything, even if it's in a, a guest track. But no, it's. Um, I think his uh, vocals really add to the the track as well because um, the I, with a lot of like mathcore sort of releases, the vocals can be, um, and I think it fits the style, but they can be a bit one dimensional at times. Mm. But they all kind of have that similar cadence to them. It's a bit like a Jens Kidman from Meshuga. It's kind of like just really hyper aggressive, almost kind of like a one tone kind of like yell or scream that permeates throughout most of the albums, and that's quite a common thing in a lot of mathcore bands. Um, but um, yeah, so it's great to hear a bit of vocal variety on this album as well with the guest vocalists. Yeah, I think it's it's bloody fantastic. I remember the first time I listened to these guys. I think it was I was discovering like Khanate um, or Khanate, however you say them. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was like trying to find the dirtiest. I was like going through YouTube, trawling through like pool tool videos and shit, and trying to find the craziest stuff I can. And I found these guys, and I love the weird song titles like Nonagon. Um, and seen a taff, which I thought was about for a reference, but I'm sure it probably isn't because it's just a word. Um, and I think the lyrics are about like crabs or some shit, which is pretty funny. Um, and yeah, like there's there is a lot of variation on this. It's different to a lot of other bands. And when I do group them in with other bands, it's not bands that sound the same because like they're doing their own thing, and I like that. They they definitely have influenced like bands like People Slicer, of course, yeah, um, and Frontera, who we'll get to, yeah. Um, and I really like them. They're kind of like these guys are going to be the rare, well, not the rare bird because rare bird one is successful, but they're going to be like the seventies prog bands of this genre, I think. In 20 years' time, what fucking weird mathematical quantum metal is going to be happening? Do you know what? I, I think you have hit the nail on the head there because, to be honest, um, they are one of those bands, from what I could remember anyway, so I could be wrong, the first started uh, incorporating a lot of the strange kind of um, weird pinch harmonic techniques and just uh, just weird sort of wah-wah and just crazy guitar effects. Yeah, whammy. That just, yeah, that just yeah. totally sound like 
they just totally sound like someone like feeding like a, a, a guitar through like a fucking modem or something. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's dial-up metal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dial-up core. <laughs> but and it's um, but no, you're right because like I feel like that is something that's become really a big thing and prominent in the scene, especially like the core kind of crossover scene at the moment with bands like Code Orange and mm. and Vane as well. Another band they have a great album called Arizona, which is like really fucking quite groundbreaking and i think it's not and those bands have kind of taken a sound similar to this and and haven't been afraid to incorporate something which was previously seen as the as the bastard child of the metal scene which is elements of new metal which were you know like much maligned for many years in the scene or like in like the 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 actual metal scene mm. but now i think it's getting to a point where people are not afraid to incorporate some more kind of new elements to their music but no, I definitely feel like Carbomb were one of the first bands to kind of, um, in the modern era anyway, incorporate a lot of really cool and sort of just bizarre sort of riffs. There's, like I said, it's really polyrhythmic. Like, it, obviously, there's a Meshuggah influence there. Like, anybody listen to this who have listened to any Meshuggah song before, <laughs> like, can, can see that there's an obvious, you know, like, there's there's a comparison there. But I think it's, it's, it's taken that, because... Meshuggah can be somewhat too mechanical at times. I think for some people, like I enjoy it personally, but they're taking it and, 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 and melding it with elements of like that proto-metal core that was really popular in the late 90s and early 2000s, popularized by bands like Botch or mm. Vision of the Disorder or Will Haven, who I'm going to mention in the Frontier Review as well. And, you know, so like, there's more elements of core in this. And, like, you know, there's some clean vocal passages that sound a bit like um, Tim Williams from Vision of Disorder as well. It's kind of like an element of grunge to the clean vocal sort of cadence at times. Um, and, yeah, it's just some really... It's I can understand why someone would listen to this and be totally turned off by it because there's like, a lot <laughs> of shit going on. But I personally love it. I and, love it. And it yeah. fucking really translates well live as well. Like, I saw them play at the uh, Kentish Town Forum with... Um, Gojira and, and Cold Orange and nice. it was just it was just what a mental gig that was I and bet. like and I remember they played the track Black Blood and that's got a really sick kind of like like, like breakdown like riff in the middle that just totally just it, it just went off basically nice. everyone lost their shit I'm well jealous um, it's interesting you talk about Meshuggah because Meshuggah was the first band shirt I ever bought oh really I was like 14, 15 years old oh, I nice. bought it from HMV and it was really expensive or maybe it was like one of those shops in Camden where all the band shirts like £30 um, and I bought it was I can't remember but I think it was Obzen um, the shirt I still have it somewhere and I used to like yeah I loved this shirt and I was a huge Meshuggah fan and then I just stopped listening to Meshuggah because I was listening more to like this kind of music because I love the mechanical aspects of Meshuggah but then I kind of it was too easy to listen to if that makes sense like I yeah. knew I could feel the songs in a way where I kind of like would zone out not because they were boring necessarily but because I wasn't excited by what was coming next because I kind of felt it was almost predictably the way it was like you say mechanical yeah. um but there's these guys the chaos is less mathematical and more kind of like i kind of i guess like the darkness that is some somewhat present in yeah. the like song construction which is more like the chaos of of disorder and and horror in the world i guess which is why i like the frontier album so much <laughs> i keep talking about it but you know i, f I think they're all linked in in ways um do you ever listen to a band called sleepy time gorilla museum never even heard of them okay 
No. We'll check them out later. I'll check them out. Yeah, yeah check them out. Um, I think I haven't listened to them in a few years, but they're it's the same kind of like chaotic sleepover energy. Do you know what I mean? Where you have like fifty kids that sleep over and they all go fucking mental. It's that kind of music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um. Do you know what? I don't think I ever went to a sleepover like a proper like. I did once or twice. They were yeah. really weird. I just liked my own bed too much. I think if I did get invited, I probably just turned it down. I wasn't allowed. My parents genuinely thought I'd be murdered. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's always a probability of that in London, let's be honest. Pretty much, yeah, wow. unfortunately. But <laughs> child murder aside, um, this <laughs> album is fantastic. I think, you know, it's definitely going to be one of those albums that people will say they're inspired by when they're doing their own bands and music. Um, I would be unsurprised if Frontera like this band. Um, and yeah, it's got a star-studded cast as well. I really I really respect this album a lot. Yeah, and you know what? I think you, you touched on another interesting point there again, talking about like how you kind of progressed away from listening to Meshuggah. And I think that that's just kind of what happens when you get a band that's a, a pioneer of a sound. Yeah. You, kind of, you, kind of, you can kind of see that parallel for a lot of thrash bands, like yeah. a lot of people that are into like the big four or like, you know, I feel like, well, actually, no, that's probably a bad example because I feel like people who are fans of the big four... Don't listen to anything else. Yeah, <laughs> they just stay fans of those bands for the rest yeah. of their life and just ignore everything else. Like, but, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, maybe uh, Cannibal Corpse might be a better example because yeah. like, that's a lot of people's first death metal bands. And then, you know, then you find out that there's other death metal bands who are, like, uh, mixing other subgenres or doing other interesting things. So there's a mm. lot of people that never really go back to Cannibal Corpse. It's like your first partner. It's like yeah. your first girlfriend or boyfriend. They're really great, but there was you you hadn't you hadn't grown, you didn't know yourself yet, and then you kind of grew apart. They were lovely, very nice, but just just you know, you don't have that extra bit of pizzazz there. Yeah. You don't have that chaotic riff with with the, the love you have for that person. So you've got to move on and you develop, but you always look back fondly on those sunny days with that person. Um but anyway, yeah, I think Carbomb are that girlfriend slash boyfriend for a lot of bands um, that will be coming up in the next 10, 20 years. Just like, um, I think it's interesting, actually, for death metal, I think a lot of us will still listen to death or like Bolt Thrower or something like yeah. that. But it's very, I think those are like exceptions that prove the rule, like Carcass, for example, because they're always reinventing themselves too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that is just testament to how good those bands are because I, th I yeah. think they transcend the genre. Mm. Like, I, I wouldn't even consider Death a death metal band, uh, not past the first two albums anyway, really. Okay. Just because there's elements there. Uh, don't get me wrong, they are a death metal band. <laughs> They're called Death. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, um, but you know what I mean? Like, those last few albums are like so transcendental of, yeah. of music, I would say. Like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things, like, a lot of people have a really quite deep spiritual connection to a lot of that music and, and spiritual yeah. meaning <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I think I read it there. what are they doing oh no that's what I read um, apparently um, I think DTA are going to be going on tour um, touring that album in full oh nice at some point next year so that'd be kind of cool that'd be really cool I added um, Steve DiGiorgio on Facebook and I'm too shy to say anything to him oh. his profile picture is like a pair of sandals or something and it's really strange <laughs> of course yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's the first one I noticed when he, when he was um, playing with DTA I was like oh, this guy's not got any shoes on I don't know why I but <laughs> But um, I remember you're quite fond of his uh, fretless bass, aren't you? I am very fond yeah. of his bass, and that's where that fondness ends. Not that I dislike him, I just don't know him. I just didn't want to sound like I'm fond of anything apart from his... Okay, anyway. Um, speaking of bass, the bass on this album is fantastic. Yeah, I feel like... You know what I mean? It's When it comes to like an album this kind of um, all over the place, but in a good way, 
it's you, the rhythm section has to be so tight yeah. to keep it all together because it's just that fine line between sort of like musical chaos and just utter like cacophonous just noise yeah and i feel like the drums and the bass are so interlocked they're so tight and locked in so well that they really do such a good job of just like keeping everything keep, keeping the groove as well because there's, there's actually a hell of a lot of groove on this album that's what i love about it is groovy yeah i love that groove yeah and i feel like this and same with the frontier album if there wasn't that element of groove it wouldn't be as good yeah and it yeah. would be so much more unlistenable like mm-hmm. i think a lot of people would think that this music is quite unlistenable as it is because i think that the groove isn't something that's necessarily that discernible to somebody that hasn't listened to something similar to this before like say if you hadn't listened to Meshuggah before and went straight into car bomb you'd be like whoa what the fuck Mm. But um, I feel like anyone who's listened to Meshuggah has got a good foundation or, or level of expectation as to that would allow them to get into the riffs that are presented here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that is totally accurate. Um, maybe if you like listen to Meshuggah and then you put on some Portal and then you listen to this, maybe you'd get a little bit. <laughs> I mean, Portal was just, I, I don't blame anybody for, for, <laughs> for, for not getting that because that is some, that's some pretty impenetrable shit. I mean, I love it personally. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I need to listen to the new Portal album. It was a double album, so it kind of put me off a bit. Yeah, that would put. I think Portal. I can listen to like twenty minutes of Portal, and I put it down for like <laughs> yeah. two years. Yeah. Um. What was that band? Fuck Pig. I remember them being quite impenetrable <coughs> as well. I've not listened to them for a while, so I don't yeah, know if it's I, the same. I don't know if I've listened to Fuck Pig on record. I've definitely seen them live because they played one Damnation. Were they good live? Yeah, they're quite good. It was um, I was I was quite near the back because, um, as you know, in Damnation, you you've yeah. got to fucking plan it like a military sort of like fucking strategy yeah. to, to get to the stage you want to in time. Um, so I think I was just popping my head in, and because um, and I think they had um, Dave from Anal Nathrak performing vocals with That's them. That's really cool. At this point as well, at that point. Um, but yeah, no, this seemed all right. It was it was one of those things where sometimes damnation could be a bit of a blur because there's so much going on, and I'm just trying to get from stage to stage. Mm. A lot of the times, it's one of the few festivals where like I'm I'm just busy watching bands and planning to get good spots for the next band. Um, but yeah, this seemed pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they're all right. They're also impenetrably heavy, from what I remember. We're dragged into sunlight, were pretty impenetrably heavy. To be yeah, fair, are they it. slow? No, they're quite. Oh, I'd say mid to fast paced. Okay, but um, they've got cool, quite cool kind of like stage get up as well. They do that thing when they play with their backs to the crowd. And oh. it's like a lot of lot of smoke and sort of like pulsating strobe lights and stuff. Okay, which is <laughs> <When you laughs> yeah, pulsating. I was like, <laughs> where oh, is this? Yeah, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> That's why their backs are to the audience. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's but pretty no. funny. But it's um, going back to um, this album quickly. There's a few tracks that I just want to touch on mm. quickly. The track Cenotaph as well. It was um, it's quite good because that's got that's it's more of like a mid to a slow play sort of track. I like how they change up the dynamics and the tempo of the album and a few tracks. And there's some moments on on Cenotaph where he sounds a bit like Dax Riggs with the cleans. Oh, that's such an interesting comparison. Yeah, I used I to re-listen to that, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a few Chino moments as well. I think so. Chino Moreno from um, Deftones. I think it's 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 funny. You, you often forget how influential a band Deftones are. I feel mm. like even if it's not directly discernible in the band sound, like there's some influence there somewhere for a lot of people who kind of grew up around about the sort of nineties. 
like they were one of those kind of seminal bands a bit like system yeah where like you know you can't really lump deftones as a new metal band like in the same way you can't really do that with system because it's kind of doing them a bit of a disservice because you know yeah like you know really new metal when you think of new metal in its in its derogatory sense you're going to think of a band more like limp biscuit really with like that's not a knock on limp biscuit but i'm saying they've got all the tropes that would be negatively associated with what um, new metal was all about right for the sake. but yeah Tap was a great track I really love the track Black Blood which I think was one of their kind of like uh, singles or tracks they were heavily promoting around about the time of the album's release mm-hmm. um, and the opening track as well I thought was was great from the dust uh, of this planet yeah I thought it was just a fantastic way to start the album um, I like the fact that they don't overuse all the weird kind of like uh, all, all the whammy stuff and all the all the, the weird pinch harmonics it's like it's there but it's, it's it doesn't detract from the overall musicianship yeah. of the album I think that is something that a lot of people fall into a trap of being like I've got this kick ass pedal so I'm going to use it for the sake of using it and they'll like kind of sometimes overdo it but I do like how it doesn't I mean there are times you're like what the fuck is that sound how they do that but it's yeah. in more it's not in a like this is intruding it's a this is part of the fabric of the music it's so exactly. like it's so intricate I really enjoy listening to it and each time i'm gonna like pick out a new layer or like a new interaction of the in- instruments and i i have respect for people who can write that kind of music i think it's really cool yeah no because it's um yeah because it's mind- kind of mind-boggling at times and i think um i remember that's i actually read a few reviews of the album before i listened to it because i was somewhat familiar with some of the earlier car bomb albums but like i said it was because the songs were in shorter sort of bursts i was kind of mm. used to that so i used to listen to a lot of grindcore which and that was kind of like the modus operandi for a lot of grindcore bands was like short bursts of really crazy shit so it was interesting to hear a band with with tracks that were about sort of three to five minutes in length and seeing how they could prolong those ideas yeah. and sustain it over a longer uh sort of playing time and the song Nonagon, I really love as well. It's got a really catchy riff. Um, That's my favourite song on the album. I think. Oh, really, is it? Yeah, it's probably yeah. my favourite song overall. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Just super cool. Like some of the pinch harmonic thins, are even a, a bit similar to what Gojira do. They have similar thin with their harmonics on their albums. Mm. Um, and then it even has like a kind of like a, a robotically delivered vocal passage that kind of is similar to what Thomas Harker used to do with Meshuggah. Yeah. On some of the earlier albums. Um, it's not like digitally prote- processed with in the way that Meshuggah used to do it, but it was quite cool. I thought that was just, uh, yeah, and just a, it's got a really good solo on it as well, but just just a really good track. Mastodon did the digital robot voice thing too. They do that on a Blood Mountain or Leviathan? I think Leviathan. Yeah, no, Blood Mountain. Mountain. There was, it, see, Mastodon are a weird one because it, it's, it, especially now that Brand does vocals as well, because literally every member of the fucking band is contributing like main vocals. So it's, it could be a bit hit or miss for me sometimes. Cause I'm t- I don't like the new stuff. Uh, anything after Blood Mountain um, is overproduced for me. Yeah. And it's like they've smoothed the sound so much that it's lost the heaviness that I really enjoyed in the early music. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, I actually didn't mind Emperor of Sand. I thought that was a decent. There's some good riffs on that. Some good, yeah, some yeah. some great riffs and some great tracks. But yeah, you know, my favorite album of theirs will always be Leviathan. I thought that was, and. It was, uh, I just loved the, um, I can't remember, what was the, I remember there was a Metal Hammer reviewed it at the time, and it was a really weird, they they, they had a really weird summary of the review. They said (laughs) it was like, it was like Metallica meets Neurosis had a child with Clutch. 
I was like, what? That doesn't sound anything like Master Design. No, I know, I know. So, like, so I was thinking, because so Leviathan was the first one I was listening to, so I went into it, and I was thinking, I was like, what the fuck were they talking about? Yeah, there's none of those so, elements of present in their music. But, but I listened to it because of that summary, and that was the sticker <laughs> on the album. I was like, what? I was like, I need to listen to this, because this sounds, like, way out there. And I was like, nah, that doesn't sound anything fucking like it. You know, it's funny, because those three bands, that would be, like, my least favourite combination of musical things ever, because I hate <laughs> those bands all yeah. so much like what you hate neurosis oh no i don't hate neurosis i yeah. forgot about neurosis i oh, blanked okay. them out because my hatred eclipsed oh, my hatred of clutch and metallica is so great i couldn't see anything else in but, that moment but you know why they said that i realized because it's got because um oh is it steve von till or is it uh, that guests no it's um ah, tip of my tongue scott scott kelly. scott kelly has guested on every mastodon album that makes sense. There's definitely a Scott Kelly vibe. And, and Neil Fallon does a does a guest vocal on, I think, the track Blood and Thunder. Yeah, oh, That's a really good track. I love um, the Slick Leg guitar lick. Is it Slick Leg? It's like... I think that's... Um, oh, no, I think that's... Um, oh, what track is that again? I'm going to pull the track list enough. <laughs> Let's do a Mastodon review. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Car Bomb. Well, <laughs> Aqua Demetra in my head, but it's not that. Oh, yeah, no. It's, um, I'll tell you which one it is. But no, yeah, I think that's why they decided to say it was, oh, it's like neurosis, neurosis and, and um, <laughs> what was neurosis, that? <laughs> neurosis and clutch mixed together just because both of them were guesting on the album. <laughs> but it was the tr- Megalodon. Oh, yes. Of course it was. Silly yeah. me. Yeah, as you can see, I'd be terrible at wearing band shirts in public because I barely remember my favorite band name songs. They don't even have a song called Slick Leg on this album. I don't know why. There's a song. There is a Mastodon. Look, okay, I'm Googling this. Mastodon and Slick. And hopefully it's not going to be some weird, like, whale penis. Mastodon Slick Leg. Yeah. Mastodon Slick Leg 2001 vinyl reptilian records. What the fuck? How do I remember this? I'm not familiar with this track. Yeah, this was on my iPod when I was a teenager. They have free free tracks on it. Slick Leg, Thank You For This, and Deep Sea Creature. I'm so cult that I remember <laughs> Mastodon EP. <laughs> some nice. titles. I'm, I'm not cult. I just somehow have assimilated this into my consciousness. It's a really good song. Have you it's not listened to it? The first ever Mastodon release, the Slick Leg EP. I didn't even know this existed. It's no, good. Know, it's really good. Uh, yeah, uh, check it out. I'll check that out, yeah. Uh, I just thought Remission was their first release. Yeah. And the style listed is math rock, so it is relevant. Just saying. Oh, there you go. Slick leg. But yeah, it's... Um, oh, God. I just want to say about the Carbon album quickly. What a filthy guitar tone. I mean, just yes. produ- it is Disgustingly such a good album. Disgustingly good. So, so good. And it's just... Um, I can't say enough good things about the album. So I'm just going to stop there. This album is like when you've got a bag of fried chicken that no longer has the fried chicken in it and you can see all the grease and you can feel the fried chicken sitting inside your stomach and you're like, oh, that's dirty. You know what I mean? It's that kind of like dirty but good stuff. Yeah, I I do know what you mean. I don't like fried chicken though. I don't either, but I know what you... Sometimes you crave it though, isn't it? Just fried food. It's so weird. Yeah, Yeah. I I am disgusted by fried food and yet somehow part of me is is, um, entranced by it. Anyway... Let's move on to Oxidized by Frontera. This is going to be one of my albums of the year. God damn, you heard it here first. It's freaking amazing. I fucking love it. I listened to this and it was perfect. It was yeah. absolutely... It was like Black Sheep Wool meets Carbomb. 
So yeah. it was, yeah, absolute Nina material. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, it's really fucking heavy. Yes. Oppressively heavy. I love it. Yeah. I feel so oppressed by this album in the best <laughs> possible way. It's like consensual oppression in the musical form. There's just, there's so many songs as well. There's 16 songs. And I read all, I read most of the lyrics. I was very tired. I read most of the lyrics, all the lyrics. It's just kind of like the kind of poetry I would have cried over as a teenager. The kind of yeah. shit I was writing as like an angsty angsty 19 year old that I would still low-key write if I'm sad so I love it it's all really like poetic and yet also heavy the lyrics aren't just like um you know a, a car ex- I don't know exploding cars or yeah. space crabs not that those things are bad they're cool I write about stuff like that too but this is really interestingly kind of semi-confessional yeah. Um, and veiled in metaphor whilst being horrifyingly heavy. Sound like you were naming Gojira songs there for seconds, like flying whales, exploding cars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not, I don't know much about Gojira. Just that they like whales. Uh, one thing, I um, watched an interview with um, Pedram, who is the mastermind behind the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying that, well, one thing I noticed was there's a track on their first album, Unloved, which is called Unloved and Oxidized. Oh. So, and uh, from what I've gathered is he was in the process of writing uh, some of the music for this album while still finishing up the previous one, Unloved. Nice. So it is a continuation of the first album. I haven't listened to the first album before, but I feel like this is a far more kind of like focused and frenzied uh, release that is probably going to put them on the map, I think. Yeah, 100%. Because I think that um, it's been a very long time since I've listened to something which has taken me aback. Which, and I think the first track I listened to, because I remember it dropped and I was just, so I was just clicking on Spotify. You know, I have none of the track lists is in order. It's just like suggestions. So I think I listened to the track Corrosive Wash first and I was just like, fucking hell. I was like, just caught me off guard. I was like, this is just. That happened to me. Yeah. I was on my way to work. I just went on Spotify. I couldn't decide what to listen to. Put on my playlist and it was like, oh, here's this track. And I didn't even know it had released. I immediately sent it. I think I sent it to you. I sent it to Shem. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And you guys were like, yeah, it's new. We should review it. And I was like, holy fuck. There's a whole new album of, of music like this to dig into. It was delicious. It was such a cool yeah. way of discovering them. Yeah. It's, and, and as I was saying, when we were talking about the Car Bomb review, like I know the first album features, um, I believe it was, I'll get their names up so I don't fuck it up. It was Mike and Greg. So the guitarist and vocalist of Car Bomb featured on the last album this one's quite this album's got quite a few interesting features as well mm. you've got uh, grady from will haven yeah performs vocals on this magnetic drift um which is cool will haven are one of those bands similar to vision of disorder who always kind of bang on about who were really kind of ahead of their time and were doing a lot of shit that was kind of underappreciated and i still think goes quite underappreciated much in the same way um, uh, a band like a Sixth as well, for example. Yeah. Like I still don't think they get nowhere near as much credit for their contribution to this scene, like the, the, the math scene, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So I think, um, yeah, and I feel like the band is kind of paying homage and kind of, you know, it, it, I'm glad that they've featured um, musicians from this period because it's kind of like saying, like, you know, that if, if it wasn't for musicians from from that era then perhaps the this genre wouldn't have developed in the way it has 
and they've got another track which has the vo- I don't know the vocalist's name. It's got a guest from the vocalist from Iron Dissonance. He's called um, Kevin McCaughey. Ah, there you go. And then the vocals were, co- were recorded by oh, this is well, Dominic Grimard. Well done, Dominic Grimard. You did a great job. Nice. That was on the track Remo- Removal of the Copper Iris and the Lightning Pill. What a cool name as well. I don't know why, but it, it makes me think of the contraceptive coil. That's what I was thinking as well. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I'm not no, alone yeah. in that. I wonder if it is actually like about that. Yeah, because I thought that was a really interesting name. I like it. But um, have have you ever listened to Iron Dissonance? Before? I haven't. No. Are they like this? Are they good? That, yeah. No. Not as not as 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 mental. I would say, for lack of a better term. Mm. Um, but <laughs> but it's uh, Iron Dissonance. Uh, one of those bands who were kind of coming up at the same time. It's like Dillinger and and Sixth that had. Um, but they were they also have some really cool shit going on in their music i think it'd be worth checking out at some point i won't go on about them too much i will do but i they've got an album called breathing is relevant or breathing is irrelevant i, I think <laughs> that's, that's really good nice um but yeah i mean there's so many there's so much going on in this album it, it, at times it was hard to kind of discern between tracks because i listened to it once just straight through just to try and kind of like take it in without being like overly analytical and there was times where I couldn't tell when some tracks were ending and some tracks were beginning. Yeah, I just let it wash over me. Yeah. yeah. And I listened to it again, um, just kind of like trying to analyse each track. And it's just oh, it's just so much shit going on. Um, I love the way they're using kind of what appear to be using digital effects yeah. to enhance a lot of the strange guitar work and guitar tricks that have gone on in the album. It's like it, Igor. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's yeah. very similar to Igor, actually. Yeah, I never made that connection at all. Um, but it's kind of just like car bomb on, on crack. <laughs> <laughs> it's crack bomb. <laughs> crack bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love the, again, very similar to car bomb, but it's like car bomb has had a child spawn and it has grown and developed into something even more complex. Yeah. Yeah, it's like mutated into this and it's fantastic it's really i love that these guys are you know on the same island as us hopefully that means that we get to see them play yeah no that'd be great i yeah. mean um i think i remember when i was looking up some stuff about them they do have a few shows booked but i'm guessing it's around their neck of the woods because they're from yeah well they're based in scotland i think primarily mm. yeah hopefully they can come down here at some point and we can uh, read them some cards you're welcome on the podcast frontier people that'd be lovely it's um do you know what though i it's for as for as 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 crazy as the music on this album is it's i actually think that there's quite a lot of dynamics in it still yeah i was gonna say this too yeah and that like it you know it's not like similar to the carbon album it's not too much and there's still discernible groove there's still a lot of groove Mm. um but yeah it's just i think it's quite a balanced musical listen i found it weirdly really easy to listen to yeah um because a lot of people are saying it's like really dense they, they can't they don't find it easy it's punishing but i really find it really easy yeah. i don't know why there's something really something about this really catches me in a way that i haven't felt for a really long time when it comes to listening especially to new music yeah. it's quite rare that i'll listen to a band and just get them yeah um the first time and just be like yes this is like tickling my ears in just the right way and I did find that there's a lot of variation um, in like the form and meter of how the vocals are delivered, how the lyrics are written. It's all really well um, curated. It's not just been shat out. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like I think you know, it's like there's there's a lot of dynamics on this album, and you know when there's like they're not gonna pummel you for three minutes straight with like strange bleeps and like <laughs> low end riffs. 
like there's a lot of like the last track on the album for example is um titled hope sort of uh yeah relevantly enough actually is uh probably the most melodic track on the album it's got like kind of finishes on a melodic and kind of like almost anthemic note mm. it's got some quite soaring guitars um and yeah and some, some quite some quite good um clean vocal work as well and it's um, it's just it, that track actually reminds me. Have you ever listened to a band called Blood Has Been Shed? No, I have not. It's so you know Killswitch Engage. They've got the two vocalists. They had Jesse's the first one, and Howard's is the second one. Blood Has Been Shed was Howard's first band. Okay. And they're kind of also like a mathy metalcore sort of band. And it was actually they, got, they released one album. I think they released two albums, but one album that was kind of received some sort of critical acclaim called Spirals. And it's actually a really good album. And it's also kind of similar to this in the sense there's a lot of like polyrhythmic kind of riffage going on. And it's just like really... Uh, but yeah, that's what this track kind of reminded me of and the way they blended the melody with like a lot of the um, the um, the mathematical riffage, for lack of a better term. It's really interesting that you um, see like this element of hope in the album because when I first listened to it, I was like, wow, this is so depressing. Great. Um, but in a good way, really. Um, but then I was reading the lyrics, and like again, I was looking at the song names, and I did, um, I did feel this element of hope within this like world of shit that they're bringing up in in a good way. Um, I, I keep everything I'm saying is a compliment, trust me. Um, but I, I've done the thing where I get some some lyrics. Um, this is from Corrosive Wash, I think probably my favorite song, just because it was the first one I heard. So. Like, I immediately was just, I, this song perks me up and makes me happy now. But, um, yeah, I got this element from the, I, I just took a few lines from it because I did feel that element of hope, that element of, like, there is so much fucking pain and hurt and trouble. But it's okay. Just keep going. So these are the lyrics. Um, Bruised at the water's edge, you got to remove skin if you want to live. Blind from its ac- acrid waves, I'm no more alive in this human state. Don't you give up tonight. Don't you give up and die. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, no, it's yeah. It's an element of kind of hope and that. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like um, horrible. Like you got to literally take your skin off if you want to keep going. Like the world will grind you down. Your skin will get ripped off you. But it's okay. Just keep going. Yeah. You have no skin. You're just muscle and tendon and bone, and you're scraping yourself along. But you're okay. Just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like horrifying asmr that's yeah, okay if you get flayed yeah, it's fine don't worry about it you still you still got some skeleton in you <laughs> have some hope that reminds me of this um it was some stupid like it was either green text or something like something i saw on reddit once and it was like talking about aliens discovering human life for the first time it's like yeah they're, they're these weird bags of sad meat oh my god there's a star trek episode it's like the second or third star trek episode where they're in tng next generation where like um they're like flying off into space and they they meet these like insanely powerful um like four-dimensional beings who are like <laughs> they call humans um ugly bags of mostly water <laughs> and that's all they use that's the term they just refuse uh, use to refer to the humans all the time yeah. and they're like just talking into the air and they're like ugly bags of mostly water you are stupid <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> you are a stupid race huh. it's pretty funny. accurate to be fair it um, is very accurate yeah but we are definitely sad bags of meat i can uh, i feel that and i concur uh, what the tracks and this album that i really like 
Um, oh, God, I, mean, I, I, like, I like the whole album. Sorry, I was channeling Michael Caine there for a bit. What's <laughs> supposed to blow the bloody doors off? I think we should just do the podcast in uh, your Michael Caine voice from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a Michael Caine impression, though. I'm not going to subject anyone to that. Um, the best way to do a Michael Caine impersonation yeah. is you say, you, you say the words my cocaine and it sounds like michael kane saying his own name <laughs> my cocaine there, there you go, go. Yeah. I'm, I'm now my cocaine <laughs> <laughs> that's but all i can do i really like the track swans Svavans. that's the Svavans. Svavans. i was like is this about the band well i thought it might have been a reference to the band um one of the things i really like in this album which i haven't mentioned so far is um i really like the industrial aspect yeah on the album there's a lot of industrial elements kind of reminiscent of bands like godflesh and and an early berserker to me like i really love that first berserker album just because of how raw i love that album and just weird it is but yeah so like a lot of the drum patterns on this album i i I really like the way they blend because obviously there's a lot of blasting and typical metal metal drums being used but there's also a lot of like techno beats and electronica style like beats going on similar to um do you ever listen to ted mole uh, I kind of did many a year ago because of the Akakoka Connection. Yeah, so yeah. they're one of those bands. That, they were quite cool in the way they were blending like a bit of drum and bass even into yeah. their kind of like metal sound, which is they were called like the death metal Slipknot, which I think was a bit <laughs> of a disservice to them because obviously Slipknot got the whole turntable and some hip-hop elements. But yeah. like I'd say it was more of an industrial sort of thing and an electronica style infusion of sounds. Uh, and I think uh, this album kind of doing something similar with the drum beat and the rhythm section a lot of the time as well, mm-hmm. which I think just gives it a, co- a, a cool flavour that kind of makes them stand out from a lot of the other bands because it's a real mishmash of styles, but it works. And I think it lends to the oppressive nature to the music because arguably what's more oppressive than the sound of grinding machines? Exactly. We are yeah. living in an industrial late stage capitalism society and I can think of nothing more oppressive. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's really important that point you make about, um, you know, using, developing the kind of basic um, setup of a band, which is, you know, drums, guitars, bass, vocals. Like the drums, I feel like a lot of bands, um, me included, like when I started, I was like, oh, okay, so it's supposed to sound like this. So the drums have got to be like this. The guitars have got to be like that, whatever. Like you've got yeah. to have the standard setup. But I really like, for example, Rare Bird. They don't necessarily have like a typical guitar setup. It's like dueling um keys yeah. and everything else and these guys as well they're not like well we've got a drum kit so we've got to use the drum kit the way you're like you're supposed to quotation marks use a drum kit like they're taking elements of and this is kind of actually why i love skindred live is they use like weird sub bass shit they like take it to the next level and i think we miss out on a lot well we i don't know about we but a lot some bands miss out on like a whole world of sound that they can access to make themselves heavier from lighter music that w- what would be considered lighter music yeah yeah you're 100% right I-, I kind of think maybe it stems from this that weird kind of archaic view that metal is something that's pure and shouldn't really be melded with something that is an outside genre the irony yeah because where does metal come from <laughs> I know, another I know, I know. genre <laughs> yeah no, I know, it's true <laughs> yeah. yeah like even the even, even, yeah it's but it's <laughs> But I've always been attracted to music that's like that's not afraid to experiment. Like even if it doesn't sound good, I just like this, like to hear something different. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like Zio and Ardor, for example. Mm. Um, 
like I like that that their first album was just like, like I was saying when we reviewed that album. It reminds me of the first Berserker album where there just was just a ton of weird ideas going on and like uh, most of it sticks. Yeah, I think that's it's always really pleasurable to listen to a truly creative piece of art because that's what this is. This isn't a band just kind of doing it to go on tour and get drunk. They're like clearly they've put so much work into this. They've put more than just like the writing of the instruments they've also done so much thinking about how the setup is going to be what sounds they're going to use like what emotionally they're going to channel into the music because there is definitely some emotion here yeah um which i really dig there's well i don't dig that they're in pain necessarily if they are but i love this element of like hope and hopelessness which is definitely something that i think a lot of people can relate to after the past two years um so yeah i think this is like a fantastic piece of work i think it's definitely um one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic i guess yeah i think there's been quite a lot of good music i think the frustration of it all has created a lot of people or reignited a lot of people's creative spark mm. um one thing i thought was interesting this album we, t- we mentioned hope again is they've got a track called which is a track called death forward slash yeah they've got lots of slashes and things and then the last track is forward slash hope, hope. so it's almost like ah, that's a continuation of that track that's so clever it's like death's the first part maybe hope was the second part yeah so maybe there was maybe a death a, a member of the band experience that they've been oh. going through i don't know i mean well there's been a lot of death happening yeah this, as a result of everything going on in the last couple of years so there is grief in this album 100 percent. now you say it, i feel grief here i'm feeling grief i'm like dowsing for it i don't know um yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. And if the band want to make any comments, not necessarily about that because that's very personal. Um, you know, let us know. I, we this is this is a fascinating album. I think there's a lot here that I don't know about yet. That I'm going to discover, and I kind of like that. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's one of those albums, and you know, I think the Cardboard album is similar as well. That you know, there's layers to it, and you listen to it a few times. I think something else will be revealed to you with each each listen. So I look forward to like kind of digesting it a bit more and kind of seeing where I sit with it in a couple months time like I know I still love the album but I think it's a fantastic album yeah and you know I've always had an obsession with things that sound ridiculously heavy um but like when I say ridiculously heavy like for me it has to have the emotional weight behind it as well yeah otherwise it just sounds sterile and kind of soulless which is you know predominantly most death metal because let's be honest a lot of death metal is a lot of either frat guys or nerds yeah, you know, just writing stupid gore lyrics, and you know, like there's not much, but and I love it. Don't get me wrong; like I'm a massive, <laughs> massive death metal fan. Yeah, me too. From a from a technical perspective as well, I just love the way that you know it sounds that they 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 pursue extremity in a, in a different manner um, through through musical, like where it be the speed, like how fast they can or how how low they can growl and all that sort of shit. But like, yeah. But when it comes to things that have that emotional weight behind it, that's what real heaviness kind of is. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Kanate or Kanate, how you pronounce it. Like they're one of those bands where, like, you know, that was truly an unsettling listen the first time I ever listened to that album, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, really makes you think. Okay, there's some real shit being like spewed out on this record, and you know, I kind of feel a similar thing when I listen to this album. And uh, I was talking a little bit in the car bomb when we were talking about the car bomb album about like embracing certain like new metal uh, aesthetics or sounds and like there's times on this album which sounds a bit like corn <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> like some of the more quiet ambient 
parts okay. have, have got like the the guitar tone is very sort of corn esque and okay in, in a way that it, it, it's done in kind of like an earnest way because like corn yeah. their later music kind of became a caricature of that sound um, from what I've gathered I've not listened to it too much I could be wrong there but um, but you know it's something that is becoming prevalent now and I think accepted in the community through bands like like I was saying before bands like Cold Orange mm. and Vein and uh, even Turnstile as well. Yeah. In the way that turns are incorporating loads of things that wouldn't have previously been accepted in that realm of music. Yeah. So I think it's really cool. I think this is great. I think we've discovered so much cool new music this year. This is a fantastic kind of example of that. I think. Um, I was was Katie from Pupil Slicer saying that she worked with these guys when they were doing the album. I yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was saying she was a massive, massive fan of them. Well, there you go. I can definitely hear the the connection there. Um, and I think those two bands will definitely work really well on a bill together. That would be an insane bill. Yeah, that would be really fun. So please make it happen, promoter. Someone, any promoter who's listening, do do the thing. It already happened. It already happened. I'm, Katie told us the story. Weren't we supposed to not say anything about that? No, she said it on podcast. Okay. I don't, I don't remember. I just remember saying something by accident and accidentally doing a big reveal of a, a pupil slicer tour and she was like, no. <laughs> was it as bad as my big reveal, which I'm obviously not going to say, but I'll remind, you, I'll remind you off camera. Okay. okay. That was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're um, very good at accidentally revealing things on this podcast. Um, except the fact that this is a fantastic bloody album and all the albums we've re- reviewed today have kind of talks to each other across time which I think is beautiful um, and I've just got a message from Sham Lucas saying the guitarist of Frontier produced and mixed the people people pick up a penguin let me try again the guitarist of Frontier and nope let me try again the guitarist of Frontier produced and mixed the pupil slicer <laughs> I'm never good at I'm cursed. I can't say this. See, this sentence. is normally what I do at the end, just lose my mind and just um, just struggle to... So I've just got a message from Shem uh, <laughs> saying that the uh, guitarist of Frontier produced and mixed the Pupil Slicer album. No way! So there you go. That so, is awesome. So you can see that there's a direct correlation between these bands and there's some shared kind of uh, creativity going on there, which is cool. There you go. It's good to see the scene burgeoning. Burgeoning. Why is that such a weird <laughs> word? I don't know why that's such a stupid word. <laughs> We've definitely lost our minds at this point. I yep. think this is uh, where we wander off into the desert of music and try and search for a new watering hole of good music bands to put in our ear holes. So um, feel free to comment, like, subscribe, support. Tell us what you'd like to hear from us. I uh, hope you're all having a lovely time listening to our beautiful voices dripping like honey into your mind. So thank you for listening. Um, see you soon. Until next time. Peace.